guys welcome back to the very last episode of season two so today we have a guest on the podcast again um and we kind of wanted to have this guest on because it comes really full circle with just the podcast this whole year so like just to give you a little visual we started off in january being like okay like we have this like podcast it's kind of random we just like talk into microphones like in my literal closet like we would sit in my closet i don't even know how big it is like it's, it's not big small. at all it's like the size of this table yeah and we would sit there like this just so that like the sound would sound better and like it was in an enclosed space and we would just like talk on the microphone we also bought um uh what's it called oh my god what are those sound things called what from Amazon, those sound things to block out the sound. Oh, yeah. Like paper, kind of. Yeah. And we put them around, like, our little microphones. And then also another setup was Sam would sit on one side of her bed, and then I'd be on, like, the other side of her bed on, like, pillows. And it'd be, oh, or on my, on my mattress with, like, no bed frame. Yeah, like, well, anyways, and point is... Sketchy, sketchy, just... We yeah. started off the year recording like that, and then throughout the year we're like hey we made a conscious decision. We're like, hey, we're actually going to try with this podcast. We're going to try and level this up. And then somehow we discovered... A studio and we're like cool we get to record in the studio now yeah and because of that we're like hey let's have the person who's kind of been working the cameras behind the studio and the rest of his team kind of helping us with the audio and his co-owner of the studio they're all like helping us and making this podcast like come to life and actually what we envisioned it to be us sitting like in front of two microphones which is sick so we're like okay let's have him on the podcast so today we have ricky bobby on the podcast hey guys how's it going <laughs> It's a man behind the cameras that we're always like making side comments to. Yeah, I'm very used to being behind the camera, so being in front of the camera is something like new to me. So very I might different. be a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'll warm up quickly. It's fine. Mm -hmm. He's always like standing behind the camera, and like we're, when I'm like saying things, I'm like kind of embarrassed to say. I like look at the corner of my eye, and he's laughing. I'm, like, I know I always do that. So I always say something. I look at like I look at him, and he's like laughing. Like Kate's good. <laughs> he's laughing. Mm -hmm. We're good. Yeah, and sometimes for me too, it's hard not to like jump in the conversations because the conversation you guys have is very like engaging mm -hmm. yeah yeah you have comments like, to say yeah <laughs> just jump in but yeah no i feel you um okay so go should we see weekly updates or no yeah you don't have it. any weekly updates right you can just listen to mine then it's fine I'm not really okay just running the studio and stuff like that takes yeah. up the majority of my time so. yeah true do you have any like things to say just people at walmart what <laughs> Do you guys ever, do you ever go to Walmart? Yeah, of course. Okay, do you? Do you ever go to, yes, I go to Walmart, yeah. Well, I'm just, I don't know, some people don't. Okay. Do you ever realize That's there's... like probably my favorite place to shop, Same, I actually. fucking love Walmart. Really? Yeah. I honestly never really go there that often, but I've been, like, recently I've been going, and do you ever realize that every time you go to Walmart, there's someone starting a problem? Like, there's always a problem at Walmart, or is yeah. it just fucking me? Yeah. Like, last time I went, this lady was getting mad at the cashier like the ca the girl at the cash register because she wasn't checking her out fast enough and then the lady was like you know that they're self-checkout right and then yeah, well, walmart don't they have like no like they don't care yeah they actually like, what don't the care fuck? it's just the way it is at walmart have you ever seen those tiktoks and like youtube videos where it's like the worst people, people at walmart yeah yeah, yeah then the second time i went in like the same the span of the same month you know those like jingly guys who like who like yeah with yeah. the jingles and you like give them the money greeter. yeah yeah those people a fucking old man was getting mad at him why? He's like, you just so sit here and jingle the jingle. I know you expect people to give you money, like this foreign man. And I was like, oh my God, I can't with people at Walmart. Like, why does this always happen? Yeah, so anyways, are those are my I went to thoughts. Niagara 
for my last hurrah before like Dougie closes everything down again. And I went to the casino. Um, I have like an obsession with the casino. It's really bad. But I went to the casino and the casino in Niagara <sighs> sucks though. I know, but where else am I gonna go? Like, the, where's the best casino you've ever been better? Well, Vegas, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously. well unfortunately, I couldn't. I could, okay, well, yeah. actually, I've been to the Vegas casino. I just didn't know what to do with all well, those. For things. me, it kind of ruined it because my boss took me to Vegas, and that was like the first time I've been to a casino. So then, when I went to like Casino Niagara, I thought it would be like oh, that. totally I thought different. They give you like free drinks, and mm. you could like <sighs> smoke cigars in there, and it was just totally like yeah, it is very different. Um, it was a lot more like depressing. It was like people like <laughs> yeah. losing their life savings kind of vibe. in Niagara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's friends. That that's friend like, losing her fucking savings. I literally, I so I'm like, I'm gonna budget myself to like a hundred bucks, whatever. Like, if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. But I went in there thinking I was gonna win. That's like the wrong thing to do because like it's like a fucking casino. You can lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's win or lose. But I'm like, nah, I'm gonna win. So I paid, played stupid penny slots and obviously lost my twenty bucks. Played digital roulette, yeah. lost my twenty bucks. So I had like sixty bucks left. So I'm like, maybe I'll try tables. Like roulette. I've never ever tried tables in my life. I don't know how poker chips work like i had no fucking clue like what i was doing yeah so i don't gamble so when i was in vegas the only thing i played like card wise was like war and it's just like who gets the highest card it's like a card it's a legit card game you win money money from that it's literally like you draw one card and it's you versus the dealer and whoever has the highest card wins. oh really yeah so So you have like no control of the game like whatsoever and it's like so fast because it's like minimum like 20 dollar hands yeah so it's just like you're up or down like so quickly yeah I'm so but cheap. then i, I started playing uh roulette because i, I, I just roulette. felt like i don't trust like the cards mm-hmm. like, you know, they could be doing anything but mm-hmm. like roulette i felt like oh how are they gonna cheat no you know? yeah there's like a spinner right yeah. like lands on the thing yeah and i was a funny story i told sam it's kind of weird but i was like <laughs> <laughs> there was like obviously there's numbers and like you bet on number and you bet on like color right you color. can bet inside outside so I bet outside red. I always bet the first, what is it, the first 12, second yeah, 12, yeah, yeah, third yeah, 12, yeah. because I find your odds, like... Are better. Yeah, you can, like, lose three times and then win once, and you get, like, all your Double, money yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm just, like, that's there was, for a longer That's what I was doing, but I was losing so much money that I'm like, I'm just going to do it one more time, then I'm done. And I don't know why Sam's face popped into my head, like, while I was gambling, and I'm like, I'm going to put this my last Andre chip on 30 so i put on 30 and 30 sam's birthday and i won like 300 bucks oh, and i was like thanks sam and then i lost it all <laughs> after so that was my weekly update i lost money at the casino so yeah. after our finance podcast that we did yeah about like, saving money i went to the casino and spent my money so anyways. all right anyways so nothing about that so like we said we're ha- we have ricky bobby on the podcast today but we don't call him that we actually call him ryan so we want to know how yeah, that's my real how the name ricky bobby came about yeah so everyone calls me ricky but it's like ricky bobby or ricky yeah okay um i got the name well first of all no one has ever called me by my real name like my whole life i've always like had nicknames like growing up and like i always like really ran with the nicknames like they really stuck so like no one knew my name so like growing up first they called me like apprentice because i hanged around with like a lot of older like people was always like taking everything in 
And then apprentice. Yeah, that <laughs> was like everyone. Jokes. And I tell people like that's my real name. And they'd be like, "No way, your parents named you that." And I'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> the they apprentice. did." And people would believe it. And I'd just be like, "Wow, like you're so stupid to think my parents actually named <laughs> yeah. you that." But so many people believed it. Um, then I started uh, interning at Universal, and my first mentor gave me the name Ricky Bobby. And I kind of feel like, you know, nicknames have to be like given to you. Like yeah, you just, yeah. Like, pick like you can't be which like, hey, one this you want. Like, you don't call me this. Like, yeah. I think that's so weird. <laughs> I've tried doing that. Before. So <laughs> I used to have like a uh, like a fade, you know, like a you know, and um, my boss said I looked like Bobby Hill from like King of the Hill. I don't know. Okay, who that is. the guy with like the glasses. A, the like short, fat, like chubby kid no i Anyways, don't know everyone else okay. will know who bobby okay yeah i don't know <laughs> so they said i looked like bobby hill and then so my boss is like yo like i'm gonna call you bobby and i'm like that's my brother's name oh like, real brother. so yeah. it's oh, kind of like know that. Weird, okay. right okay yeah and then he has two friends actually they're both called ryan so he's like, yo, I can't call you Ryan because it's already like I have two friends named Ryan. It's going to be confusing. Sorry, Tega. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> one Sorry. of their, to, differi- to differentiate his two friends, he would call one of them Ricky mm-hmm. and the other one was Ryan, but they're both were named Ryan. Yeah. Right? So he's just like, Ricky Bobby. He's <laughs> put like, them together. Yeah. And, he's like- and I'm like, yo, like shake and bake like and if you're not first you're last like all these <laughs> quotes from the movie yeah yeah so i just like ran with that name in the music industry and everyone i got introduced to he introduced me to a lot of people to be honest mm-hmm. so he'd be like yo this is my assistant murky bobby and then i just like stuck, with, stuck with the name and then i kind of i liked using the name though because it got to the point where i was meeting so many people and like i smoked weed daily Mm -hmm. that like i had people coming up to me that would be like yo what's going on and i don't know who these people are so if they were like yo what's up apprentice i knew they knew me from like (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. you can like categorize where people know you from by the name they would call me right if they're like yo what's up ricky bobby i'd be like okay this person met me in the the music industry right right? and then it's just kind of like a stage name and stuff yeah Yeah. but i feel like you got to be like you can actually like manifest things because as I got older, like I got super into like cars, like drifting cars and stuff like that. Yeah. So now the name kind of right just like sticks works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes sense. That's interesting. But it started off as more of like a joke, but it just I've never with it. I don't take myself like very seriously. Seriously. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. I've never heard a story like that for like how someone for got a nickname. nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wish. Let's get into, like, I guess we kind of know a backstory, but like for everyone listening, mm-hmm. like how you started in the music industry and like your first okay. steps into being like a producer that Wait, you are. I just want to, mm-hmm. I just want to preface that by like me and Fran, like, don't, we're very, I don't want to say starstruck, but like we have no glimpse or like knowledge about anything music industry related like, so ignorant to it, kind yeah of. Like, like so we ignorant to yeah. it so when we like came here and we started like recording in the studio first of all the, all of this we're like whoa like how do you do this <laughs> like yeah. this is crazy and then when he told us that he was a producer and he uh or he is a producer and he worked at universal and then much music i think or mm-hmm. opposite yeah that way 
that order, Much right? music first. But. Much music, and then Universal, and then he has he this, yeah, up on the wall. Me and my friend, me and friend were like, what me and my friend, <laughs> <laughs> me and my friend, me and friend left the first time. We're like, what the fuck? Where are who are we working with? Who is this? And we're like, oh my god, we have no. So like, was like, oh my god, what if we see Jazz Cartier yeah. in the studio? <laughs> or like, you talked about how you like how who come like Belly or someone? Was it Belly? Belly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't necessarily say. Oh yes, okay, okay. Sorry, my bad. Show, but like, okay, yeah. Anyways, he was mentioning rappers that he's worked with, and like, we're like, holy shit, like, damn. Yeah. Anyways, point is, we were very like in awe, but in all seriousness, we kind of want to know, especially for people listening who would be interested in this sort of thing, like, how did you get from like point A to point? Yeah, like even before like you started that much. Yeah. How, how were you interested in mm-hmm. all this? For sure. So. um where to start with it all so i guess to start with it all i've always kind of been interested in like music like during school during elementary school i remember like in grade seven i got like my first mp3 player mm-hmm. and like back then there was like napster so like i downloaded a bunch of music would just like stick to myself at recess like listen to my headphones not be very social um when i got into high school um I really wanted to like be in a band and stuff and like okay. just like be involved with yeah. music. Actually, uh, my good friend uh, Mills was in a band and he. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. So everyone I was, <laughs> all my friends I was kind of surrounded with were like m- musicians and stuff that I just naturally like grew up with in the neighborhood and stuff like that. So I tried to play like every instrument and never stuck with any of them. Like, I tried mm. to play guitar, and then after two months, I gave up on guitar, and then mm-hmm. got a bass, and then I sold my bass and bought drums, mm. and then I sold my drums to actually Mills, and then bought a, a keyboard, and then tried to play the keyboard, because I was like, oh, I can play, like, every instrument with this. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't stick with anything, and music wasn't, didn't really become my passion anymore. I kind of got super into, like, snowboarding, and was doing that, like, very, like, that was like my hobby Mm -hmm. and then I took a year off high school because I didn't know what I was gonna like do Do. um I hated school as well so I was just like yo I want to like I don't have to go to school I'm not gonna go for a year Mm -hmm. yeah then like my parents were on my ass to like yo you're not gonna just sit around and not go to college or anything so I was like okay like I want to go to um London to like Fanshawe University because they okay. had like a music production program and they're like no like you're not going you're not moving out of town to go to school like we don't have money for that yeah and, and actually I didn't apply for a student loan because both my parents were like doing okay mm-hmm. so um I couldn't get a student loan to go away so they're like, look, just like find something you want to do like locally. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I ended up take going to George Brown for uh, like marketing administration. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just to kind of like get my parents like off my ass. Yeah. Just yeah. do like, something. Okay, do yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought marketing was cool because like I was always really really good with numbers mm-hmm. and really like terrible at english and words you know and yeah. i always excelled at, ma- at uh, math because i was like there's only one right answer you can get yeah, you yeah. Know? so if you get theory. the right answer you're getting a hundred percent that's so true like yeah, english is true. so up for interpretation it's very yeah. ambiguous yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah so i went to college for marketing i had no idea what i was going to do 
And what happened was I had a friend who was making beats at the time. And okay. he was uh, doing music production. And what actually happened was someone stole his beats and played them for 50 Cent. And then 50 <coughs> Cent wanted one of his beats. And they didn't have to beat the beat. So they were like, yo, like, this is the kid that made the beat, mm-hmm. right? And he ended up getting a placement with, like, G-Unit and stuff. Oh, shit. And okay. this was at the same time that Twitter first came out, too. So he figured out a system on Twitter where he could, his account could, like, target anyone that had, like, production or artist or whatever in their bio. Mm-hmm. It would automatically follow them and send them a DM and be like, hey, I'm a music producer from Toronto. Like, check out my beats. Mm. And then if they didn't follow back within 48 hours, it, like, automatically. I'm sorry. He figured out the system? Yeah. The it would automatically like unfollow them so he kind of made this like app just Damn. <laughs> sitting in his basement yeah his name was jay staffs shout out to jay staffs um so he was like i was super interested in what he was doing actually uh my friend mills intro- introduced me to him as well mm-hmm. and um yeah so what ended up happening was i had to get an internship for school right so um i had to apply for like all these jobs right and i applied like for like 50 60 different internships i ended up getting an interview at much music right Mm -hmm. so that was that's sick yeah i had like an interview at much music interview at like xerox to do like marketing for like fax machines like just so many (laughs) Mm -hmm. random things right so i went to the much music interview and because my friend was doing all the production stuff i was like yo can i like lie a bit and say i'm like your manager yeah because that would look like super really good, good on yeah. my reg- resume mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. and he's like yeah of course like go for it no problem so i said um when i went to the interview i'm like yeah like i managed this producer and like he just made this song for 50 cent and they're like whoa like what the, what the hell you know so mm-hmm. they kind of gave me like a a one-up. Yeah, yeah, like, I really stood out compared to all the other college students because they were just talking about, like, Their love for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like yeah. that. So, basically, I got a call back, and they were like, yeah, like, we went through 150 candidates for the job, and, like, we want to use you. Oh, and damn. I was like, oh, my God, like, amazing. So, I started interning there, and then... I was interning in the marketing department. Back then, there was this show called, like, Much On Demand. Oh, I remember like, Much On Demand. in, like, an yeah. artist. So yeah, I, was I, always, I was in the same building, right? Like, my office was upstairs. And um, I was in, interning in marketing. And, right, social media was new at the time. Like, Twitter was out. Facebook was out. There was no Instagram yet, though. Right. Um, and the girl I was interning for was, like super into social media so she was like saying like yo like there's going to be all these jobs created where people are just going to be on the internet all day like tweeting and you're Mm going to get paid for it and i was like yeah right like who's gonna pay someone to like tweet (laughs) and now there's like so many jobs like that right so um yeah so basically what happened was i start interning at much music and then jay staffs who i asked him if i could kind of like fake it till you make it thing say i'm his manager right he's like yo i want you to actually manage me because you are like so close to all these artists yeah right 
So I made like little business cards and stuff, put my email on them. And then every day I'd be at the much on demand show. The artists would come on with their manager and I'd like be waiting in the hallway for them. And you'd and give then, them your card. Yeah. Smart, and then I'd yeah. give them my card and then I'd be like, yeah, like I manage a producer if you need beats or anything. The people at Much Music saw me doing that. And then one of the higher up guys actually got mad at it mm. because he was like, yo, like the artist green, green room, that's like their like their oasis. Yeah, their like, sanctuary. They don't want to be bothered. Yeah. And you're like the intern here, like Bothered. knocking like, on the door, <laughs> yeah. like giving out your business yeah. cards, you know? So yeah. he yeah. was kind of like. Yo, like, you know, don't stop what you're doing, but just, like, you know, be more mindful of it. And I was like, okay, cool. I went back to school. Much Music actually asked me to come back for another semester of interning because, like, they liked me so much. And I uh, was, like, really close. I had, like, a great team I interned for there. Yeah. Um, So I went back, did another semester of interning, was still doing the same thing with the business cards, trying to meet uh, new people to sell the beats. And beat sales back then, he really figured out how to sell beats on the internet. But the thing was, is like, he was doing really, really well for himself. He was probably bringing in $20,000 a month. So I was getting like two, three grand just managing him. But the thing where it was all just like random kids in the middle of nowhere that like their parents would buy them the beats mm-hmm. yeah like, the songs really never went anywhere right yeah. yeah so i was just trying to make connections with real artists yeah so 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 for you is more about like making the connections with people in the industry rather than like making money or no, both both <laughs> okay both. yeah Got you. Okay. it's like a balance of both yeah right? you. okay, okay. I, I always have that talk with producers i start to manage too it's like what where are your boundaries yeah you know? do you want to make money and like we can pump out beats all day yeah but they might not be like the biggest artists on them yeah or do you want to focus quality, on, like, quality, quality content. yeah yeah because yeah. to me honestly neither neither is wrong because right. i've watched people sell beats to nobody and they make 20 to fifty thousand a month doing it where it that, just but that's kind of like the short the short way yeah you know yeah what I mean? The other way, it's like, you know, it might take five, ten years before you get that song, before you even make a single dollar. But then you're really rich, really. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you're getting royalties and it's like a number one, it goes gold or platinum, you know, you could be getting... Like a lot a, more, a, yeah. Yeah, like half a million dollar yeah. check, you know? So, yeah, so anyways, um, they've seen what I was doing at Much Music, right? And it came time, I had to do a third semester of interning, and I was like, can I do it with you guys again? And they are like, you should go to a record label. They're like, what you're trying to do here, like you would fit in, like this is what record labels do. Right. Like, so, like you're so interested in that lane. We have contacts at labels. So we'll give you all the contacts for labels and we'll put in a recommendation for you mm-hmm. for oh, your next so internship nice. yeah. instead of doing that's it That's nice here. of them. <laughs> yeah, so they did that for me. Um, my next when it came time for me to do my third semester of interning, um, they set up an interview for me. I'd sent out resumes and I ended up getting an interview at Universal Music, um, E1 Music, and Warner Music, which okay. are like the three like main labels yeah. in Canada here. Sony as well. But um, so I went to all of the interviews 
And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I like I work, I intern at Much Music in the marketing department, was talking about like all the social media stuff. And then was talking about managing J Staffs, the producer, right? So I got every single job offer. Like, at, like they all three companies like offered me Gave positions you yeah. to mm-hmm. intern for them. And I really had to think about what, what one to go with. But when I went to Universal, I interned for uh, Ivan Evidente, Big Ives. Shout out to Big Ives. Um, he was really like my first mentor. And nice. right away, I knew I wanted to work for him because I went to the other like two interviews and it was like kind of like whatever, right? Like very like corporate structure. Yeah. yeah. Right? I remember going to this interview and like chugging a Red Bull before it and actually like <laughs> taking a shot of Hennessy because I was so like nervous. <laughs> with, like courage, you know? <laughs> and then when he, the interview, like how it started was this guy has like the nice desk, like all the gold plaques and stuff. And that was my goal. Like when I got in the industry, I'm like, I want one of those plaques. Like, I don't care what it takes. Like, I didn't care about the money. I'm just like, I think it would be so cool to have a plaque to like put on the wall. Mm -hmm. So during the interview, like this guy, basically the first thing he does is like, he kicks up his feet like on the desk like this. And he's like wearing like Jordan kicks. Right. (laughs) And he's like, so why the fuck do you want to work for me? Oh, my God. He's like, because I'm a real fucking G. So, like, what's, like, you know, why do you think you deserve to work for me? And I was Damn. just like, yo, like, this guy's boss I would have been shaking yeah. my boots. Yeah. Like, uh, that would be more nervous. I'm yeah. Like, wow. yeah. Oh, I was nervous as hell. And then I ended up. Um, Did like, you black out him, and just. Like... No, I don't even remember what I said anymore. But I know I gave him some kind of, like generic answer and mm-hmm. i was just kind of like caught off guard by the whole thing and i didn't know how the interview went to be honest yeah but then yeah um my school called me back and they're like yo you uh, every interview you went for is offering you the internship so you got to decide which what you one. want yeah and i was like oh yeah i'm going with big eyes for sure yeah because right? just the 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 way he like carried himself you know mm-hmm. and then um yeah, so I started interning in the marketing department at Universal, and we were, it was called Lifestyle Marketing. So back then, um, a lot of the marketing was more like grassroots, because there was no like internet like that. Yet, yeah. yeah. Right? It was like YouTube was just so like... So there was no digital was marketing. Like four videos on YouTube. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like no one... No one posted on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, there was no Instagram yet, right? Yeah. So music was all promoted, like, in the streets. Yeah, right, you know? yeah. So this was the department that, like, ran the street team and would, like, deal with, like... Like, organic marketing. Or, like th- Yeah. Exactly, like, grassroots kind of marketing, yeah. right? But what was really cool about it, too, is they did the marketing for all the international artists. And because it was, like, grassroots street stuff it actually was kind of like the urban marketing they call Mm. it so like a lot of the rappers and stuff in the u.s like when they would come to canada Mm -hmm. like our department would like actively set like back then blogs were starting to take off and blogs were like a big thing yeah so we would um like set up interviews uh for the artists that came down Mm -hmm. so like 
that to me was like super cool because I got to meet all of like my idols, mm-hmm. like people I've l- listened to their music my entire life, grew up on. You know, I was like setting up the interviews right. and get to take them like to each interview place to place. Sorry. No, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't want to interrupt your story, but so like who of those idols did you get to interview or set up interviews with? Um, Like who were a your- A lot of people. <laughs> okay, name your like top three. Well, I could may name more than three. But okay, name your top five. Like Young Jeezy. Okay. Uh, Juicy J. Nas. Damn. Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa. That's yeah. sick. But he wasn't like as big back then but mm, yeah one that was super like close to me um mac miller mm. because oh. he actually passed away damn and, like he gave me like he gave me like a box of like rolling papers he personally gave it to you yeah yeah and like that's I, crazy like still have like some of those papers oh. like at my mom's house so that's it's nuts kinda, like a sentimental thing but yeah i got to meet a lot of people um and the major thing at that job is like I was super excited to meet the people, but I couldn't let anyone know that. Yeah, because yeah. they actually had a term for that, like being. It was called like being green, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yo, like this guy's green, like he's too excited," and they didn't want people like you that can be around. like a fanboy, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then like that's what I talk about with my boss, like too. It's like the balance because the reason we got in this industry is because we're all fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The day. No, so I thought it was like kind of. It's just like you learn there's a time and a place. Yeah, you yeah. need to contain it. You, know? you can't like see someone walk in yeah, and be like, "Oh my fucking god, with yeah, Khalifa." You're starstruck. You're not gonna go like anywhere. Yeah, anywhere, yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, what ended up happening was, um, yeah, I was interning there, doing the marketing stuff. At the same time, uh, one of my best friends I knew from like the age of four years old uh mills he actually opened up his first like studio and this is like 10 years ago right and this is i'm saying this because he comes back into the picture later on in life so he opened up his first like studio and stuff he was like grinding making beats and stuff like that i was starting to work i was interning at universal marketing mm-hmm. um what happened was um I actually ended up, after interning there for two years, I ended up being an intern for two years. Like, I dropped out of school. Mm, to be an intern there? To be an intern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And they, like, they kind of finessed it because they're not supposed to, like, yeah, do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I even found a way to, like, bring me on. And then also, like, he would just kind of, like, take care of me on the side because he knew, like, I wasn't getting any money. But he's, like, a really good guy. So he'd, like, help. Yeah, yeah. Right. break me off a little something here and there. Right. And then um, what I was doing as an intern was I was actually selling drugs to support myself. But because I was doing that, all the artists loved me. Mm-hmm. Like the big artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would come to the city and they'd be like, yo, where's Ricky Bobby? Where's Ricky Bobby? And like they'd have my personal phone number and they would call me and I'd like go to their hotel room, like, the night they land or pick them up from the airport or, like, whatever. So they'd always want you when they came. Yeah. Yeah. And then the CEO found that out. He's like, why the fuck is the intern always with the artist? (laughs) 
<laughs> before we funny. are. Yeah, right? yeah. He's like, this makes no sense. Like, this guy's at the dinner with the artist. <laughs> yeah. We're just chilling. He's like, here, what the fuck right? is going on yeah. here? So, uh, I was just kind of like, yo, like, because the people really like him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't tell him what I was, like, doing. I right. didn't even think he knew. I, I knew he's going to find out now, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think he even knew that that's what I was like doing. But I feel like that had a big part of why the artists were always asking yeah. for me like, right, right away. Right. So they've seen that. They've seen, um, you know, I, I was like really like hustling and really driven. And my friend was starting to rap, who is jazz. And he was just starting to rap. And we were just that homies. Jazz. Yeah, that jazz. Okay. So we were just homies, right? And I was like, yo, like, I'm interning at Universal. Like, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to get you a record deal, you know? And he was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, I'm down for it. Like, we'll see what happens. Kind of like, I don't know if he really believed me at the time. Mm-hmm. But then I think he knew it was real when one day I told him to come help me with the street team stuff. And we had to, like, go put up posters in an event or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, come come to the office. I'll, like, introduce you to some people, you know? So he took the bus out to the office, came to the office, introduced them to some people. And then I think once he, like, seen it, that's when he was, like, like it's real. okay, yeah. this is, like, real. Like, he's actually in the record label, like, every day. Yeah, you know? he's in the day-to-day. Yeah, so... What ended up happening was they closed down that marketing department and they got rid of the entire lifestyle marketing department because the stuff with the, the streets was kind of dead and everything was going moving online, right? Digital, yeah. Yeah, so people were trying to catch up and learn to adapt. No, the card's almost full. Um... Yeah, it's still recording. It's still recording. But don't press okay? Yeah, just press okay, yeah. So, yeah, and then, um, yeah, so what ended up happening was I had this friend, Jazz. He was, like, an amazing... I, I knew he was really talented at rapping. The marketing department closed. And then I got my first job offer because Ivan, who was the head of um, marketing, he got promoted to the director of A&R. Okay. And A and R at the record label is the department that actually signs the talent. And their job is to scout scout the talent, sign the talent, and then actually work with them to like create the album. Okay, yeah. Right. So they're to build them like up. The yeah. Hands on. So and that's like a dream job because that's kind of like what everyone wants to do, but when no one knows like how to get into it. Right. Right. So. Um, I got my first job offer as an A&R assistant. Obviously, I took it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back to college. Like, I never finished the marketing program or whatever. Okay. Um, I started, um, yeah, as an A&R assistant in the A&R department. And then they were, like, signing a bunch of new artists and stuff. And I was like, yo, like, you guys got to sign my boy Jazz. Like, he's sick, you know? So... I played his music for Ivan. He was, like, a big fan of it. And then, yeah, we decided to... He decided to sign him. And not only that, he also wanted to manage him as well because he believed in him so much. Mm -hmm. So uh, us three, me, him, and then actually the the director of marketing at Universal, JP, 
we started a management company together mm-hmm. and then got jazz a deal basically started managing jazz and then um yeah from there i did that for like a couple of years everything was like really great like i learned a lot of stuff got to like travel a lot got to go on tour like experience the tour life that's sick yeah, I'm like, we won a Juno, uh, his record went gold, and we were doing like big shows and stuff, so it was kind of like I was like living like a dream, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, what happened was, it just got to a time where there's no, there's no hurt feelings between anyone, but we weren't agreeing on everything, like completely, mm-hmm. at when it came time to like, kind of like, we had done everything we could do in Canada, like, performed at the Much Music Video Awards. Like, you know, there was kind of, like, nothing left here yeah, to really yeah, do. Yeah. And we needed to, like, really make Expand. that jump in the States. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, just long story short, it all, it, like, that's when all a lot of politics got involved. Like, I didn't necessarily agree with everything. Everyone didn't wasn't on the same page with the, 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 the way he should go or whatever. So... We just decided to split ways, Got you know? it. but it was all like always Amicable. better that you never like burn a bridge. Yeah, yeah. Right. And one thing Ivan really taught me too, like Ivan taught me so many things that I still carry with me, like to the, to this day, mm-hmm. like he really taught me, like you have to really nurture your relationships, you know, like you have to treat people almost like plants and like, remember to like, like water them all the time yeah yeah. because if you just like hit people up and like ask them for favors and stuff all the time they're just very true they'll see right they're gonna recognize right yeah 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 so like you treat people like like plants i like that and really nurture your relationships you know yeah no that makes sense people like think you care about them yeah Yeah. if you're just hitting someone like yo can i get in the studio can i get in the studio can i and they're like yeah, whatever, you know, but if it's someone like I actually like, yo, how are you doing? Yo, you want to go grab a coffee or whatever? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Shoot the shit. And then they ask me to get in the studio. Mm-hmm. I'll be more inclined to like clear out the schedule for them. Yeah, like, exactly. Them Rather hours, than just somebody you know, who like wants like, to kind of use almost. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he taught me that. Like, um, he taught me like there's always someone out there that's working harder to be in your spot. Mm-hmm. right so that's kind of where i got a lot of like my hustle from and then one saying he always taught me too was like cream always rises to the top so like even if you're not getting like recognition for like what you're doing like eventually like it's going to rise to the top and the people not doing anything are going to kind of the bottom sink below yeah that's some good advice and that actually is very good life advice yeah, <laughs> yeah that really is yeah. that one of the favorite things he taught me too is like yo there's there's a difference between we had like this saying and he was like there's a difference between mild boys and wild boys and he's like and no one likes a mild boy because <laughs> like you know especially in the music industry okay. like you're not gonna stick out or like stand out to people if you're just kind of like chilling Shy, like, yeah, yeah yeah so we were like you know when we'd go out it would get like Wild, rowdy, yeah, rowdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wild boys like yeah. popping bottles and, yeah. like getting uh, on jets like going to the airport but it's like, not like kind of like the lifestyle stuff, right? too like in music like you're kind of just extra like all the time i feel like no one's gonna 
be attracted to you if you're like what you said like just kind of like in your scene yeah. just kind of like chilling like that's what everyone is like chasing right? yeah yeah so, it's like a lifestyle yeah. kind of yeah no i get that hmm. that's like super interesting i kind of i want to fast forward to ask about this studio so the cookhouse recording studio yeah so this is something Sorry, that you guys I didn't even i'm like three quarters <laughs> through my story so no like, it's okay yeah. but i want to like make sure we touch on that because that's something that like you guys created together right yeah. and that's something that that's what you do now and that's where your focus is now yeah so the studio, yeah. i want to ask like nowadays how is it hard to like manage your guys as artists and manage the studio as a producer but also now you guys are business owners too right right so how do you balance the two of them how do you still balance being able to have like a passion for that but also now deal with like the business side of things like, like your career like because at universal okay. you weren't you're not the owner of universal you know you're not managing that business aspect you know what yeah, i'm trying to say yeah yeah for sure well for me it was like super easy because like i always felt like I wasn't that great at music and I wasn't that talented at music. And I always knew so many people that were like better than me. Like I wasn't going to be a rapper. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had like 10 friends that could rap, you know, mm -hmm. like I tried to play the drums, but I had five friends that could play drums better than me. Yeah. You know? Like, um, even guitar, like same thing, making beats. Like, you know, I'm like, I know so many producers, but what I really knew was like the business mm. and that's what I found artists had no clue about yeah and i was like yo i should just learn the business because then i can get help my friends get to what they want to be mm -hmm. yeah and i can be the best mm -hmm. at that whereas yeah. i don't think i could be i didn't think i could be the best guitar player or i didn't think i could be the best drummer you yeah know? yeah but i thought mm -hmm. like if i know what my friends don't i can help them get into places and rooms they've always wanted to like being yeah right? you're like their guide you, you like, know what for guidance that's actually a really nice story because it's like you, like you really liked something you had a passion for something and like you didn't give up on it just because you weren't like quote-unquote good at music mm -hmm. like you're still in music yeah not legit playing it but you're still in the industry you know so it's kind of it's actually an inspiring story because he's still being of service to other not people that, by doing what he's you kind doing. of like turned into like your mentor kind of like for other people though like yeah. you're the one guiding mm -hmm. them and like like it's like bringing them like you turned into well sometimes i get like i don't know if it's almost deja vu but yeah. it's like i'll be out with like a producer I manage that's like younger than me, right? Like that, let's say ten years younger, because I'm actually like thirty two now. So I'll I like to surround myself with like young kids to kind of like stay relevant and like know what's going on. Yeah, which is yeah. Something again I learned In from pop Ivan, culture. That's yeah, what he yeah, was yeah, me, yeah. Right? So it'll be weird because I'll be like out like eating pho. And I'll be like having a conversation with someone or far or whatever. Pho. <laughs> I say phone too. Pho. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I'll be having a conversation and then I'll think like, wow, I had this conversation 10 years ago, but it was me on the other side. Yeah, of like now you're like, it's full circle. Yeah. I'm like using terms I learned from him to like teach these other. Mm -hmm. But just to jump back into like how it got full circle with this studio mm -hmm. so after like uh, we split ways like with jazz like everyone was still like homies and shit um i felt like i had kind of accomplished what i wanted to do in a sense because like you know i said i got into the music industry to get a gold plaque mm -hmm. and, then, like, and you did that, that gold, gold plaque, plaque yeah. right so i didn't know 
at that point, like really where to go in life. And what happened was one of my childhood friends opened up a restaurant and his dad had passed away and he needed help with the business. And at the time, um, I wasn't working at Universal anymore because the management thing actually became a conflict of interest mm-hmm. because I'm like managing the artist and the A&R signing them. So it's like we're right. writing a deal to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Both end of the paper. Yeah. So I kind of took the L of my job at Universal to do the management. Uh, the management thing. But I was frustrated there anyways because I was bringing them artists and they passed on like big artists that mm-hmm. were like that are like huge, huge artists now that like I brought them in there they talked with them like whatever you know and it ended up working out where like they ended up being on the label but at the time they like passed on mm, that right yeah, which yeah. showed me like i really that's like, annoying had, like an the, ear, you had you the know? talent too yeah yeah but they just didn't have the budgets and it got they were trying to keep up with the internet and just whatever like a lot of things i, I felt very limited as to what i could do there mm-hmm. you know and then, so with the management company, it was like, now I'm living like my dream, you know, like my best friend is the artist I'm managing, mm-hmm. so like what could be better than that? And we're going across the country, like opening up for like Post Malone or like stuff like that. You That's know? sick. Like doing like we sold out uh, Rebel, which was like a big moment for me because mm-hmm. I remember going there and watching the weekend perform there for the first time. Yeah. And then to be a part of someone else. Yeah. yeah. And when I was at interning at Universal, they're like, yo, these guys are cool, but that should be you and your boys on that stage. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward three years later, it was. Did his show yeah, Rebel, yeah. it was us on that stage. I was like, yeah, wow, like that moment actually happened. Came real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had done a lot and I kind of wanted, you know, I was always interested in business. The, bu- the music industry was very like shaky at the time because everything on the internet, like Spotify just came out. People didn't really know how to monetize and mm-hmm. stuff yet. Right. So my friend was opening up this bar and um, I was working at another bar that another guy from a label that uh, owned a label owned. And I just asked him, like, hey, bro, can I, like, bar back at your bar just trying to get some extra money to, like, go on tour, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, because being on the road is, like, very, like, expensive, Expensive. you know? And, like, I didn't feel like my homie should have to take it all out of, like, his money. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yo, like, I'll hustle, get my own money, and then I'll come on road with you, right? Mm -hmm. So, um... Yeah, what ended up happening was I worked at the bar for like two years. We tried to open this bar. I was actually living above it. So I'd live above it. I'd come down and I'd like bartend there. And then um, the lifestyle just started to become like a lot because it was like dr- I was working there six days a week, right? Oh, so you're like drinking From every 4 night too. 4 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. Shit, yeah. So I was like taking shots with like customers. Yeah. I'd have like 10, 13 shots and be like, oh, I didn't drink. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. And then I'd go out to like the parties after mm-hmm. because Toronto started the after parties. Like, yeah. Last call, and then yeah, and then after parties after the the other parties, right? So it just became a lot. And then uh, we got in some disputes. He ended up selling the the restaurant, and uh, when he sold the restaurant, it became it it was like it happened very like almost like an overnight thing because like he, he lost his dad he slipped and fell and like broke his ankle so it was like very difficult for him to like manage it too and then so he sold his restaurant and i ended up 
losing my job and my house. Oh, true. On the because same you, day. Because you lived above it. it. Yeah. Shit. So I was like, yo, like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I have no idea what, what to do. Um, I ended up booking a trip to Mexico to, like, learn how to surf. <laughs> Just random. Yeah. random but that's where i actually like i went there by myself and like i lived there for like two months i was trying to stay like longer but mm-hmm. i was there for two months that's where i really like found myself i find mm-hmm. and then when i came back um my friend mills who remember i told you he was like my best friend while i was doing all this he had opened had up his, his own studio, studio yeah right? He was like, yo, like, I'm still doing this stuff with the studio. Things have gone, like, you know, like, way, they're way crazier than before. Mm-hmm. And even when I was, like, at Universal, like, we were, like, renting out the studio to, like, their artists to use yeah. as, like, jam spaces and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, like, still sending him the little thing. But he came to me, and he was like, yo, it's at the time, he's like, you're doing this restaurant shit. I don't know why the fuck you're doing this restaurant shit. You know, you've done so much in the music industry. Yeah. You know? He's like help me with the studio like i need your help bro Mm -hmm. and like i was like yo like for sure and um so he picked me up he brought me to the studio i seen what was going on and i was like i i just like seen like this crazy like vision i was like yo like we can actually like do this Mm -hmm. you know I seen what was going on and I was like, there's a lot of work to be done, but I feel like with all my management skills, like I could now use that experience towards this and really like, you know, clean up what's kind of happening and brand it and market it. Mm -hmm. So that was actually at a other location. Right. So I started doing that with him. Um, Okay, yeah, sorry. So technical difficulties there. You know, I'm trying to run the equipment and be on the show yeah, at the same like, time. So she's like doing both. <laughs> um, yeah, so where were we? So, yeah, my buddy Mills had came to me and he's like, yo, like, you got to see. And I, like, we were still friends, but I had really hadn't seen his progress with the studio because, like, I seen the old place. But what happened was I got so, like, caught up in myself and just hustling and working trying to get where i want to be that um i kind of like cut off a lot of relationships with people i grew up with Mm because i thought they were only like holding me back Mm -hmm. and this girl that was my friend at the time made me realize it she's like yo like everyone you grew up with etobicoke they're like bricks and they're you're like a flower like trying to like grow and bloom bloom (laughs) but you're like around concrete and like all these like your friend just put you down and her haters and it was a lot of people I'd known 10, 15, 20 years, that 25 years that I was like, yo, what do you mean? Like, these are my friends. These are yeah. my boys, you know? Yeah. But I had to realize, like, you, I had to cut off a lot of those relationships to really, like, excel. Mm-hmm. So I just naturally distanced myself from people because I was always out of the city, on road, with superstars, right? People got jealous and yeah. like envious of that right yeah so yeah so um basically i didn't see all the progression with the studio but then like when he brought me to the next place i was like yo like this place really has potential like i could bring clients is from this place here universe no this was the, oh. the other one and then um 
yeah, so I brought in a partner. We kind of got that place, like, popping. And we got it to a point where it was, like, there's a lot of politics in Toronto rap music. I don't know if a lot of people... Like, I guess if you're into rap, you know, but mm-hmm. probably if you're not into rap, you don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, me either. Politics is like, there. well, there's politics and everything, right? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's. But in rap music, it's like talking more about like the beefs and like the violence and stuff like okay. that, right? Okay. So like a lot of Toronto artists don't get along with a lot of other Toronto artists okay. and like stuff like that. So it was the point where, like, we got this studio, like, popping, where all the guys that were popping in the city were, like, coming there. But then because it was so popping, it was starting to become an issue. Like, people, like, running into each other. Mm, oh, okay. Things like that. They didn't, like, get along necessarily. Got it. But um, the landlord was like, yo, like, we're selling the building. You guys have to be out of here at the end of the month. Oh, shit. And we were just like, what the fuck? Like, what are we going to do? But it was kind of a blessing because all that at the level we had got the other place at right Mm -hmm. so we sat there for like a week on our phones just looking up like any other unit like that we could move the studio into Mm -hmm. and we actually found this place that was an existing studio and like we came here seen the place right away and we're like yeah like this is for sure the spot so we moved in here like a year ago and then uh I'm oh, it was only a year ago? Yeah. Oh, damn. I didn't... It was September, so a year and three months. Damn. Um, but yeah, we took a little break. We went off the radar, so like we got rid of all the other, like no one even... Some of these people don't even know we have a studio, <laughs> <laughs> so they might see this and be like, these fucking guys, like, <laughs> they had a studio this whole time? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So Yeah, so... Um, we took that opportunity. We moved locations. We became more low key. We got out of the whole Toronto rap industry because mm-hmm. there was too much politics with got it. And we started branding this place, and that's when we came up with like the name, the Cookhouse, and stuff like that. So, which is a sick name. Yeah, it's still a work in progress, and I actually don't like calling it a recording studio because I feel like what we do here is more content content yeah it's like a content house yeah that's that's my vision for it um and like where i'm at now is i'm laser focused and focused in this we also have like an amazing production team Mm -hmm. out of here you know shout out to zap our engineer uh ready who's a crazy producer i manage mills johnny path all the guys so where we're at right now is we're kind of putting together like a production team Mm -hmm, a solid team yeah and then as well i'm back into management because i actually have two artists i'm managing Mm -hmm. right now which is um with uh shoebox mentality um he's shoebox mentality is like a toronto streetwear fashion company but they're growing into like a record label oh nice and um the guy behind it all is super driven super positive like He's kind of become like a mentor of mine too now. Mm. He came to me because he's like, yo, you have so much experience in the music industry Mm -hmm. that I need you on my team Mm -hmm. because this is the industry I'm getting in now. Mm -hmm. So now as well as the studio and uh, managing the production side of things, I also am back into managing artists. So I have two artists I manage right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Her name, one of them is uh, Taylee. And okay. then the other one is Mozzie. 
but they both haven't dropped yet. Mm. So you're not going to be able to look them up like Just on yet. YouTube or their music or anything. But yeah. stay tuned because I bet but you pretty soon. <laughs> look out for them because Damn. when they drop, like they're going to go. Like yeah. I'm telling you because I haven't jumped back into anything since jazz because I was so waiting this is your for the first, right. So this is your first like dabbling back into it since getting that plaque. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to get you another plaque or two probably. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna have them like lined up. It on needs the friends. Floor. It's so lonely yeah. in the studio, you know. One, that's sick. I didn't yeah. even know that. That's sick. I'm excited to see them yeah. pop off. Yeah, and I feel like you know, even with the production team that we're making right now, like that will bring in many plaques as well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, Mills is gonna get his plaque soon. Reddy's gonna get his plaque soon. You know, because these guys are very, very talented. So right now, like, I'm just very grateful for the spot I'm in because I don't think any of this shit I went out and looked for. Mm -hmm. Everything came to me. And it came, I feel like it also came because you, like, worked hard and you made a decision. Like, this is what me and Fran talk about all the time, too, on the podcast. It's, like, just, like, making a decision that, like, you're genuinely passionate about and, like, committing to it, which you did. Like I said, even from when you were, like, a kid, like, you weren't good at guitar, all that shit. Mm -hmm. But you still made the decision that, like, music and, like, the industry in general is what you wanted to do. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, it didn't just come to you because, like, it came to you. But, like, you kind of manifested it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you just work hard at something, like, every day, like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time you work at it, you only get better and better, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I tell a lot of these young producers, too, that just want to, like, kind of be, like, a popping producer overnight. It's like, bro, put in your 10,000 hours, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. There's so much work you have to put in before people are like, oh, he's an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't see that. Ten behind years the scenes yeah grinding working a day job for eight hours going to yeah then pursuing your passion for another eight hours of the day you mm-hmm. know? and um yeah so that's interesting i mean that was a great story and i think there's a lot of life <laughs> lessons to learn throughout that whole story and i think like especially what you just said is that like nothing's an overnight success and as long as you put the hard work in something is gonna come out of it and like you said the cream always rises to the top that's what right. you said right yeah, yeah. so and i think that like goes for for everything even with the podcast like sometimes we're kind of like are we just like talking into microphones talking to microphones but i think if we just keep doing what we're doing because we like to well, do we, it you know we got like the studio too. yeah we we're learning from people like you yeah. and and him as well and like the whole studio like everyone's like like it's sick i never thought we'd be sitting here doing something i just want to touch on really quick too it's funny because you asked me like how i started producing yeah which is actually like making beats and making music yeah now that you've seen my story like producing is like the smallest thing i do yeah yeah when people people come to this studio they don't know what i do right yeah i'm like they're like oh what does this guy do he's just you know chilling around whatever like you know but um i tell them like my job what i concentrate on is everything but the music mm-hmm. like the music is your job you know i'm not gonna come into the, the booth and tell you how, how to rap, write rapper, or how to rap. yeah like, that's what you're good at you know mm-hmm. what i'm good at is telling you what you should do with the music yeah how to put it out how to how to how to take your music and make that into a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, to, how to get the money. How that's, to catapult it, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. And then um, because I'm just in the studio so much 
and managing artists. Like I was there with Jazz and Lance, and Lance is another guy I really look up to because uh, he made a lot of Jazz's first songs. And when we were doing that, like I was in the studio with those guys like every day for like a year probably working on making the album or mixtapes or whatever they call them now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I was just like a fly on the wall, like observing, you know? So I had been around it so much that I didn't start making beats till recently, till like a year and a half, two years ago. Right. And it's just something I picked up because I was in the studio so You're much. around it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, like, let me see. But I found out, like, I I instantly kind of have, because I have an ear. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what part of the songs needed. All I really had to do was, like, teach myself. So, like, I spent a lot of time, like, while everyone else was, like, partying and going to clubs and going to, like, Lost and Found or whatever. I'd be, like, I'd go to the studio instead mm-hmm. because I'd partied so much and yeah it was you're like been there done that like, yeah like i'm not going to a party like yeah unless a i'm with the artist b like we're going in the back door and like the owner's walking us in and like c like we're getting paid to be there yeah know? like i'm not so that kind of has ruined like going out for me now yeah because you used like, to get go, paid to go out yeah, yeah, yeah so like i just go to the club i'm like what do you mean we gotta wait outside yeah you're you like i gotta wait in line what the fuck like, yeah yeah, um, so instead of doing that shit, I just started going to the studio, like, by myself and just really zoning in. And I, I taught myself everything because there's so much information out there on YouTube. Yeah. And when I started making beats, I knew so many producers. No one would help me because mm-hmm. no one cared. Yeah. They were like, oh, what, now you're going to make beats after 10 years? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, but then as soon as I took the time, I researched on YouTube I watched all of like internet money ha- was putting out a lot of tutorials. I watched their tutorials and I taught myself how to make beats. And then cause I had an ear for it. Like, I think they were actually like, okay. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they were like fucking amazing or anything, mm-hmm. but they were okay. And then I'd show other producers I know and they'd be like, Oh yo bro, this idea is sick. Cause they'd kind of have creative block mm-hmm. and then they would like help me with my beats. And yeah. then, okay. Now all of a sudden I have like, good beats mm-hmm. right yeah so yeah it was just and the production that's something i just do as like a hobby mm-hmm. i don't even take it seriously like i only make beats that i really want to make like music i'm currently like listening to mm-hmm. and it's like i don't even like showing people my beats mm-hmm. like, yeah, i really like there's just, just something that you yeah yeah i just do it kind of like for myself yeah and because i was so involved in the business like, I found I had so much, like, built-up emotion in me, and I was starting to become, like, a real, like, snap case and stuff on people, mm-hmm. where that kind of helped me be able to express myself, you Got know, it. it was, like, a creative outlet that yeah, I yeah. had, so that's more why I enjoy it than, like, trying to get, so I feel like I'll get a, another plaque again from managing more than I would from production. From production. But some people will tell you otherwise, so... We'll see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we want to end off just like really quick rapid fire about some like juicy questions. So we want to know who is the worst person that you have worked with? Okay. And who is the like the best person that like maybe like surprised you? Worst, maybe most difficult. Most like, difficult. Not worst if you're allowed person. to say it, like I don't want someone to like. 
come over here and sue yeah, you. Yeah, no. well. Okay, so I'm not going to make it too personal. Yeah. Because I've worked with a lot of difficult artists. So I'm not going to make anything personal. But um, uh, to answer it, I guess, when I was working at uh, Universal, like what we were doing a lot of publicity for like international artists right so mm-hmm. like setting up the interviews taking them to interviews mm-hmm. and have to be with them for like two days right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it could get difficult at times like pleasing these a-list Divas. celebrities right? <laughs> yeah. yeah so most difficult person to work with by far machine gun kelly mm-hmm. i listen like, i think we almost like really got cute. into a fight by the end of the three like i was with them for like three four days and um <laughs> the hell same look i think he's cute i think he's, he's cute, so cute but like he does kind of look like a diva a little bit low-key but he was difficult to work with because he was like a spoiled brat mm. he was like bossing people around like he <laughs> sent like the the marketing manager at universal like i'll never forget he's like yo like go get me a shawarma and shit and the guy's <laughs> like yeah sure like, no problem like went and did it and i'm like wow you're a little bitch bro like I mgk said go get me a dick. shawarma yeah and i, like, I did I'm it done. and i'm like the intern at the time i'm like yo i tell this guy to fuck off and like that guy that's like you know is running to get a shawarma the head of the marketing department is like running around to go get the guy a shawarma mm-hmm. i'm like wow like this is they l- they'll literally do anything to keep him happy yeah and like i took red bulls from his fridge and he started complaining about them or something <laughs> and then like someone i got one of my boys to like go get me go get him blunts or something and then by the end of it i got so pissed off and i'm like fuck that i'm taking these blunts I'm not <laughs> gonna them, you know but yeah Funny. he was okay. very he was kind of difficult to work with also if you want to hear like a quick story if we have time really quick mm-hmm. with machine gun kelly um this is one of like my favorite music industry stories too so I brought him to his first like weed dispensary when like weed dispensaries were like not really like a thing. This okay. was like nine years ago. So he I smoked him on his first like dab. I don't know if you guys know yeah, what yeah, that yeah. is, but it's like the wax or whatever. Mm-hmm. So long story short, like we, my friend's the promoter, so we pick him up from the airport. I'm doing the publicity, so we set up all the interviews, bring him to interview to interview. First thing, he's like, yo, like, I want to go to the weed dispensary. I heard there's weed dispensaries here. My buddy owns a weed dispensary. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, we'll go, right? So we pick him up from the airport, bring him to the weed dispensary. He smokes a dab. And the girl, and he's like, oh, what is this? And the girl is like, oh, it's basically like the crack of weed, right? So we go to Much Music to do the interview. Right? And it's like a big interview. It's much music. Mm-hmm. So I used to intern at much, much Music. So I know everyone at Much Music. He's signed to Universal, and I'm interning at Universal. So all the people from Universal is there. So this is in front of, like, all my peers, right? This guy's, like, what ended up happening was he smoked the dab. We were supposed to go out to, like, two parties that night. So That's, MGK smoked the dab? Yeah. Okay. He ended up falling asleep and just, like, crashing in his hotel room. Like, at 7 p.m., everyone's calling him all night. Like, yo, where are you? Where are you? He's, like, all greened out, right? So the next day, when we go to Much Music, when we go to do this interview, in front of all my peers, this guy goes, and he, like, grabs my shoulder and, like, pats me on the shoulder. He's like, yo, bro. He's like, that crack we smoked last night was so crazy. (laughs) 
<laughs> and everyone's jaw just drops. They're like, what the fuck? Ricky Bobby, you smoke crack? <laughs> and you were with the artist smoking crack last night? I'm like, no, he's talking about weed. He's talking about weed. Like, Oh, my like, fucking God. Fuck? Yeah. And so that was, that was pretty funny. That's actually so funny. Yeah. That's actually jokes. And then, sorry. Interesting. Best person I ever worked with, mm-hmm. by far, was Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy was like, it was crazy because Young Jeezy is like known as one of the biggest like hood superstar, like drug dealer that made it into like a rapper, like down south kind of, you know, like. Yeah. And when I met him, we went to interview him. Um, Back then I hated being on camera. So my boy Bunnit, Wisdom, who I also worked at Universal, who ran the street team, who I learned so much from as well. Like, I have to give him a shout-out for sure. Um, we went to interview him, so I was behind the camera. Um, Bonnet was doing the interview, and he was just like, I was like, yo, like, you're one of my idols. Like, thank you so much for doing it. He's like, bro, you ain't got to thank me. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, dude, he's like, the fact I'm up here in Canada... And you took the time out of your day to come ask me questions? That's insane to me. He's like, I'm just a, uh, from the hood, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just a dude from the hood, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, I can't believe you're, you wanted to, like, ask me some shit. I'm like, wow, this guy Aww, is, like, that's nice. so <laughs> humble yeah. and so, like, grateful for everything. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, like, back then, like I said, I was, like, hustling because I wasn't getting paid to work at Universal, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to support myself. Yeah, so it's yeah. what I could do. It is what and it is, yeah. So I had a scale on me. And he's known as, like, the snowman, like, the biggest, like, hustler, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yo, bro, can you sign something for me? And he's like, <laughs> You asked what? him to sign your scale. Yeah, so I asked him to sign <laughs> my scale. Dead. I actually have it here. <laughs> really? I show some people, and they're like, no fucking way. You have a scale autographed by Young Jeezy. Bro. That's yeah. fucking jokes. I do. So, yeah, I'm like, yo, bro, like, can you sign this for me? And he looked at it and he's like, yo, he's like, just don't get caught with my name on this shit. <laughs> he's you know? like, I'll show anyone. And then he actually sat me down after the interview and he's like, yo, bro, like what you're doing, like with all of this, he's like, think about it. All of that, the other stuff you're doing is putting this at risk. Mm. You know, he's like, you could, something could happen. You want one little slip up. All of this is over. Mm-hmm. And he is like, look, you're with me today. Like, that should show you you're on the right track. Yeah. You're doing something right. Like, yeah. you're getting to spend the day with one of if your idols. You yeah. Know? He's like, all that other shit is just going to jeopardize that, everything yeah. you've worked hard for. And after that day, once he signed my scale... That was it. I never never used that scale. Never used it again. Just stopped doing it. And then I was like, yo, all the energy I was spending in that shit just put it towards work. work. Damn. It's interesting. He actually cares. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like by far the best Best. one I've So worst is MTA. And best is young easy. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks, Ricky, for for coming on. (laughs) Um hope you guys enjoyed that episode. This what? No, go. I was just going to say, this is the last episode of season two. So the next time we come back, it'll be season three and it'll be 2022. So happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to anybody watching or listening. 
And, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next year. Next year. Bye. <laughs>